Chapter Three of the Double by Fyodor Dostoevsky, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Greg Giordano. Chapter Three. All that morning was spent by Mr. Golyatkin in a strange bustle of activity. On reaching the Nevsky Prospect, our hero told the driver to stop at the bazaar. Skipping out of his carriage, he ran to the arcade, accompanied by Petrushka, and went straight to a shop where gold and silver articles were for sale. One could see from his very air that he was overwhelmed with business and had a terrible amount to do, arranging to purchase a complete dinner and tea service for fifteen hundred roubles, and including in the bargain for that sum a cigar case of ingenious form and a silver shaving set, and finally asking the price of some other articles useful and agreeable in their own way he ended by promising to come without fail next day or to send for his purchases the same day he took the number of the shop and listened attentively to the shopkeeper who was very pressing for a small deposit he said that he should have it all in good time after which he took leave of the amazed shopkeeper and followed by a regular flock of shopmen walked along the arcade continually looking round for petrushka and diligently seeking our fresh shops on the way he dropped into a money changer's and changed all his big notes into small ones and though he lost on the exchange his pocket-book was considerably fatter which evidently afforded him extreme satisfaction finally he stopped at a shop for ladies dress materials here too after deciding to purchase good for a considerable sum mr golyatkin promised to come again took the number of the shop and on being asked for a deposit assured the shopkeeper that he should have a deposit too all in good time then he visited several other shops making purchases in each of them asked the price of various things sometimes arguing a long time with the shopkeeper going out of the shop and returning two or three times in fact he displayed exceptional activity from the arcade our hero went to a well-known furniture shop where he ordered furniture for six rooms he admired a fashionable and a very toilet table for ladies use in the latest style and assuring the shopkeeper then he would certainly send for all these things walked out of the shop as usual promising a deposit then he went off somewhere else and ordered something more in short there seemed to be no end to the business he had to get through at last mr golyatkin seemed to grow heartily sick of it all and he began and goodness knows why to be tormented by the stings of conscience nothing would have induced him now for instance to meet andrei filipovitch or even krestyan ivanovitch at last the town clock struck three when mr golyatkin finally took his seat in the carriage of all the purchases he had made that morning he had it appeared in reality only got a pair of gloves and a bottle of scent that cost a rouble and a half as it was still rather early he ordered his coachman to stop near a well-known restaurant in nevsky prospect which he only knew by reputation got out of the carriage and hurried in to have a light lunch to rest and to wait for the hour fixed for the dinner lunching as a man lunches who has the prospect before him of going out to a sumptuous dinner that is taking a snack of something in order to still the pangs as they say and drinking one small glass of vodka mr golyatkin established himself in an armchair and modestly looking about him peacefully settled down to an emaciated nationalist paper after reading a couple of lines he stood up and looked in the looking-glass set himself to rights 
and smoothed himself down. Then he went to the window, and looked to see whether his carriage was there. Then he sat down again in his place, and took up the paper. It was noticeable that our hero was in great excitement. Glancing at his watch, and seeing that it was only a quarter past three, and that he had consequently a good time to wait, and, at the same time, opining that to sit like this was unsuitable, Mr. Goyadkin ordered chocolate, though he felt no particular inclination for it at the moment. Drinking the chocolate and noticing that the time had moved on a little, he went up to pay his bill. He turned around and saw facing him two of his colleagues, the same two he had met that morning in Latani Street, young men, very much as juniors both in age and rank. Our hero's relations with them were neither one thing nor the other, neither particularly friendly nor openly hostile. Good manners were, of course, observed on both sides. There was no closer intimacy, nor could there be. The meeting at this moment was extremely distasteful to Mr. Golyadkin. He frowned a little, and was disconcerted for an instant. Yakov Petrovitch! Yakov Petrovitch! chirped the two register clerks. You here? What brings you? Ah, it is you, gentlemen, Mr. Golyadkin interrupted hurriedly, somewhat embarrassed and scandalized by the amazement of the clerks, and by the abruptness of their address, but feeling obliged, however, to appear jaunty and free and easy. You've deserted, gentlemen, he, <laughs> he, then, to keep up his dignity, and to condescend to the juveniles, with whom he never overstepped certain limits, he attempted to slap one of the youths on the shoulder, but this effort at good fellowship did not succeed, and, instead of being a well-bred little jest, produced quite a different effect. Well, and our bear, is he still at the office? Who's that, Yakov Petrovitch? Why the bear? Do you mean to say you don't know who, whose name that is? Mr. Goyakin laughed, and turned to the cashier to take his change. I mean Andrei Filipovitch, gentlemen, he went on, finishing with the cashier, and turning to the clerks this time with a very serious face. The two register clerks winked at one another. He's still at the office, and asking for you, Yakov Petrovitch, answered one of them. At the office, eh? In that case, let him stay, gentlemen, and asking for me, eh? He was asking for you, Yakov Petrovitch. But what's up with you? Scented? Pomaded? and such a swell nothing gentlemen nothing that's enough answered mr goliadkin looking away with a constrained smile seeing that mr goliadkin was smiling the clerks laughed aloud mr goliadkin was a little offended i'll tell you as friends gentlemen our hero said after a brief silence as though making up his mind which indeed was the case to reveal something to them you all know me gentlemen but hitherto you've known me only on one side no one is to blame for that and I'm conscious that the fault has been partly my own. Mr. Goyakin pursed his lips, and looked significantly at the clerks. The clerks winked at one another again. Hitherto, gentlemen, you have not known me. To explain myself here and now would not be appropriate. I will only touch on it lightly in passing. There are people, gentlemen, who dislike roundabout ways, and only mask themselves at masquerades. There are people who do not see man's highest avocation in polishing the floor with their boots. There are people, gentlemen, who refuse to say that they are happy in enjoying a full life, when, for instance, their trousers set properly. There are people, finally, who dislike dashing and whirling about for no object, fawning and licking the dust, and above all, gentlemen, poking their noses when they are not wanted. I've told you almost everything, gentlemen. Now allow me to withdraw. Mr. Goyadkin paused, as the register clerks had not got all that they wanted, both of them with great incivility burst into shouts of laughter. Mr. Goliadkin flared up. Laugh away, gentlemen. Laugh away for the time being. If you live long enough, you will see, he said, 
with a feeling of offended dignity taking his hat and retreating to the door but i will say more gentlemen he added turning for the last time to the register clerks i will say more you are both here with me face to face this gentleman is my rule if i fail i don't lose heart if i succeed i persevere and in any case i am never underhand i am not one to intrigue and i am proud of it i have never prided myself on diplomacy they say too gentlemen that the bird flies itself to the hunter it's true and i am ready to admit it but who's the hunter and who's the bird in this case that is still the question gentlemen mr Goyadkin subsided into eloquent silence and with most significant air that is pursing up his lips and raising his eyebrows as high as possible he bowed to the clerks and walked out leaving them in the utmost amazement what are your orders now patricia asked rather gruffly he was probably weary of hanging about in the cold what are your orders he asked mr Goliadkin, meeting the terrible withering glance with which our hero had protected himself twice already that morning and to which he had recourse now for the third time as he came down the steps to ismailovsky bridge to ismailovsky bridge off their dinner will not begin till after four or perhaps five o'clock thought mr Goyatkin. isn't it early now however i can go a little early besides it's only a family dinner and so i can go sans facon as they say among well-bred people why shouldn't i go sans facon the bear told us to that it would be all sans facon and so it will be the same such were mr Goliadkin's reflections and meanwhile his excitement grew more and more acute it could be seen that he was preparing himself for some great enterprise to say nothing more he muttered to himself gesticulated with his right hand continually looked out of his carriage window so that looking at mr Goliadkin, no one would have said that he was on his way to a good dinner and only a simple dinner in his family circle sans facon as they say among well-bred people finally just as ismailovsky bridge mr Goliadkin pointed out a house and the carriage rolled up noisily and stopped at the first entrance on the right noticing a feminine figure at the second-story window mr Goliadkin kissed his hand to her he had however not the slightest idea what he was doing for he felt more dead than alive at the moment he got out of the carriage pale distracted he mounted the steps took off his hat mechanically straightened himself and though he felt a slight trembling in his knees he went upstairs olufsy ivanovitch he inquired of the man who opened the door at home sir at least he's not at home his honour is not at home what what do you mean my good man i-i-i've come to dinner brother why you know me to be sure i know you i've orders not to admit you 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 brother you must be making a mistake it's i my boy i'm invited i've come to dinner mr Goliadkin announced taking off his coat and displaying unmistakable intentions of going into the room allow me sir you can't sir i've orders not to admit you i've orders to refuse you that's how it is mr Goliadkin turned pale at that very moment the door of the inner room opened and gerasimitch olosi ivanovitch's older butler came out you see the gentleman wants to go in elmian gerasimitch and i-and you're a fool alexeyitch go inside and send the rascal semyonovitch here it's impossible he said politely but firmly addressing mr Goliadkin. it's quite impossible his honour begs you to excuse him he can't see you he said he couldn't see me mr Goliadkin asked uncertainly excuse me gerasimitch why is it impossible it's quite impossible i've informed your honour they said ask him to excuse us they can't see you why not how's that 
why allow me allow me how is it though it's out of the question announce me how is it i've come to dinner excuse me excuse me ah well that's a different matter they asked you to be excused but allow me gerasimitch how is it gerasimitch excuse me excuse me replied gerasimitch very firmly putting away mr golyatkin's hand and making way for two gentlemen who walked into the entry that very instant the gentlemen in question were andrei filipovitch and his nephew vladimir semyonovitch both of them looked with amazement at mr golyatkin andrei filipovitch seemed about to say something but mr golyatkin had by now made up his mind he was by now walking out of olisify ivanovitch's entry blushing and smiling with eyes cast down and a countenance of helpless bewilderment i will come afterwards gerasimitch i will explain myself i hope that all this will without delay be explained in due season yakov petrovitch yakov petrovitch he heard the voice of andrei filipovitch following him mr golyatkin was by that time on the first landing he turned quickly to andrei filipovitch what do you desire andrei filipovitch he said in a rather resolute voice what's wrong with you yakov petrovitch in what way no matter andrei filipovitch i'm on my own account here this is my private life andrei filipovitch what's that i say andrei filipovitch that this is my private life and as for my being here as far as i can see there's nothing reprehensible to be found in it as regards my official relations what as regards your official what's the matter with you my good sir oh, nothing andrei filipovitch absolutely nothing an impudent slut of a girl and nothing more what what andrei filipovitch was stupefied with amazement mr golyatkin who had up until then looked as though he would fly into andrei filipovitch's face seeing that the head of his office was laughing a little almost unconsciously took a step forward andrei filipovitch jumped back mr golyatkin went up one step and then another andrei filipovitch looked about him uneasily mr golyatkin mounted the stairs rapidly still more rapidly andrei filipovitch darted into the flat and slammed the door after him mr golyatkin was left alone everything grew dark before his eyes he was utterly nonplussed and stood now in a sort of senseless hesitation as though recalling something extremely senseless too that had happened quite recently ugh, ugh, he muttered smiling with constraint meanwhile there came the sounds of steps and voices on the stairs probably of other guests invited by olsefey ivanovitch mr golyatkin recovered himself to some extent put up his raccoon collar concealing himself behind it as far as possible and began going downstairs with rapid little steps tripping and stumbling in his haste he felt overcome by a sort of weakness and numbness his confusion was such that when he came out on the steps he did not even wait for his carriage but walked across the muddy court to it when he reached his carriage and was about to get into it mr golyatkin inwardly uttered a desire to sink into the earth or to hide in a mouse-hole together with his carriage it seemed to him that everything in olsify ivanovitch's house was looking at him now out of every window he knew that he would certainly die on the spot if he were to go back what are you laughing at blockhead he said in a rapid mutter to petrushka who was preparing to help him into the carriage what should i laugh at i'm not doing anything where are we to drive now go home drive on home off shouted petrushka climbing on to the footboard what a crow's croak thought mr golyatkin meanwhile the carriage had driven a good distance from ismailovsky bridge suddenly our hero pulled the cord with all his might and shouted to the driver to turn back at once the coachman turned his horses and within two minutes he was driving into osophy ivanovitch's yard again don't don't you fool back 
shouted Mr. Goyarkin, and, as though he were expecting this order, the driver made no reply, but, without stopping at the entrance, drove all around the courtyard and out into the street again. Mr. Goyarkin did not drive home, but after passing the Simeonsky Bridge, told the driver to return to a side street, and stopped near a restaurant of a rather modest appearance. Getting out of the carriage, our hero settled up with the driver, and so got rid of his equipage at last. He told Petrushka to go home and await his return, while he went into the restaurant, took a private room, and ordered dinner. He felt very ill, and his brain was in the utmost confusion and chaos. For a long time he walked up and down the room in an agitation. At last he sat down in a chair, propped his brow in his hands, and began doing his very utmost to consider and settle something relating to his present position. End of chapter 3